This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk. Readings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book title is The Silver Pen. Silver Pen, Sound and Silence. And joining me from, from Colorado is the author, Jan Both Dubs. Welcome, Jan. Thank you, Jay. Your book, uh, this is not the first time we visited, but uh, in looking back, and for those who do not know you or do not remember the first interview we had, your background was uh, fairly colorful and certainly involved in a, a, a several industries, uh, primarily in the um, in the the health industry as a mental health counselor and also working for a large medical laboratory in New Mexico. You decided to move to Colorado and take it easy. Uh, instead, you are becoming an author. Tell me about this journey. Uh, it has been slow, but continuous. I have delved into writing as a child. It was just fun to do. It felt um, like I was able to say things that I, I, I just couldn't really describe other than writing it down. There just seemed to be some such power in that. And so throughout life, when I would get to difficult times, I would grab that old pencil and a scrap of paper and put it down. And it really seemed to help me in being able to see more understand what was going on so i always did it just for my own comfort well beautifully done a hundred and some pages is this a compilation of uh, writing that you have done all of your life or is this rather recent uh, maybe since retirement yes um it has been probably within a 20 year period of my later life and um and that's a it's been a long life. I'm in my 80s. Wow. I, I recognized that um, I, I began to save them, the ones that I thought, you know, were pretty good. And I would save them. And when I got to a point where I saw that I probably should consider publishing it because I, I really felt other people could be um, encouraged, other people could, could find some healing and so that's when I began to save them. So it's not been for a long time, but 20 years could be a long time to some people. It is a long time for many people, uh, especially if you're a teenager. You think uh, the age that's of 20 right. is, is a long ways off. Your your that's title, right. The Silver Pen, and then the subtitle or the sub-reference, uh, Sound and Silence, what significance yeah. does that particular phrase have in this book? Yes. Um, first of all, if you don't mind, this may take just a little bit of time. I, I really always felt that there was um, a lot of healing in silence in mm. my life. If I just could be quiet and just think quietly or rest or, you know, there, there was some positiveness in quiet. Yes. But then I realized it probably came from the fact that I had deaf-mute grandparents and it was an absolute blessing in my life because I could see that they were showing me, telling me with their body, their hands, 
that they how much they loved me, how much they treasured mm. um, their little granddaughter, and I I really began to get more familiar with the sound and silence. And even though it could be quite comforting, I know for many it can be harmful when someone ignores you doesn't speak to you. So I just yes. delved into the whole issue of sound and silence, and it comes out in the book. Silence on the radio is a bad thing, but uh, with the way you've described it, can be looked on, at least those who have a faith base, as blessing, because then you yes. can listen and perhaps get some answers to things that are confusing to you or troubling. Your book is not really poetry exactly. It's not exactly prose. What would you, how would you describe it? Thank you for asking that question, because it, it's a very important one. My poetry does not rhyme. My poetry does not have like a little rhythm to it, the yes. bouncy bounce. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. But what I also know is when a person, a reader, begins to read and has an expectation of what that next word will be, because it going to rhyme. Hmm. And I preferred choosing words that were a surprise. Maybe the, the words were even surprised by um, a, what the adjective that was chosen for that particular important word um, was, was a big surprise. And it, it wasn't like you were just expecting that word. You were not expecting it. And it then through you into another another level of understanding, sort of like another level of um, interpretation. Beautiful. The poetry, or prose, uh, depending yes. on your perspective that you have uh, penned, I, is there one know, that's I'm, a favorite to you in, in, in your book or in your uh, passages? Well, um, there's one that I know others have chosen as their favorite, um, and that is The Trash Bag. And mm. uh, I don't have my book with me right now. I don't know what page it's on. But um, it talks about, I was, well, first of all, the I was in real life. I was sitting in my office. Um, I was um, the, the vice president of a medical laboratory, and I was sitting in the office, and it was very windy. Um, and I noticed a, a um, plastic bag that was just being blown around, whipped around, knocked under cars, and and it really it instantly gave me a sense of that's how I feel, how I felt during a particular relationship. Mm. And so the poem deals with the bag, but it also really connected to the feelings that I have. And I could I could follow that through to the end of the poem where the the trash bag is under the tr uh, a truck. Yes. And um, it made me say, was was that me under the truck, or was that me under the Volkswagen? Hmm. And so it brought a particular um, thought into my mind, and how this is how I see that language can can be interpreted at many levels, levels of memory, uh, levels of uh, future ideas. I think language is just miraculous.
miraculous. It's beautifully done. It's it's on page forty nine, by the way, oh, and you. and titled <laughs> titled the trash bag, and uh, one uh, paragraph in particular is insightful and perhaps um, is a, is a, a a view into your soul at that moment. It says, "If I'm just quiet, he won't find me. I'm dirty and useless." And referring, of course. Analytically to the trash bag and blown around, slammed to the ground, strutting around, muscles taut and jerking head, oozes disgust out of his mouth. And then you quote the, the phrase, you are fat, ugly and stupid. Many people can relate to that particular phrase and the depression that sometimes uh, chases it down. Uh, was that a particular uh, part of this poem that was personal? Oh, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your other works in this book, uh, who do you see as a recipient of the graces and the encouragement that you've penned? Wow. That's that's a hard question, because I think it could be many. It could be um, anyone who has ever suffered from that down feeling when somebody has has hurt or harm them or they have hurt or harmed someone else that, that it just I felt it was just universal yes um, it also I mean it could be people who've gone through divorce I know there's one poem in there regarding uh, descent into the uh, Black Canyon um, which is in Colorado hmm. and um, it also it sort of paralleled um, my divorce and the, the, that particular uh, uh, description of an occasion actually happened. And so I was able to take that true occurrence and relate it to the descent of the relationship as being going down, down into the, uh, the, the Black Canyon of the Gunnison River. Wow. The photos that you have included, were they personal favorites? Did you have to source them? How complicated was it to find the right photo or sketch or inclusion illustration to to match? Well, that's really kind of a little nugget of a story. Um, The person that I I actually asked the Lord to help me find a graphic designer, Hmm. and she was a good best friend. Of, um, of a relative, and uh, I, she is absolutely marvelous. I did not have to choose those pictures. I, t- I gave final approval. But she, she was an art. She is an artist, and in uh, m- many ways, she uh, was able to quickly pick up on what I was trying to say within the, each of those poems, mm. and it was. It just amazed me at how how that happened. Uh, some of them I had not even thought of a picture that could fulfill that place. So it it was a God thing that she was chosen by God, and then I you know I I met met her, and uh, it's it's a treasure, Gail did a marvelous job. Fabulous. It is It is very intriguing, and I will mention this to our listeners. Uh, although you can tell by listening to Jan, she has a foundation of faith. Her work is not heavy-handed at all. It just references her personal journey and also things that all of us can relate to as far as our 
difficulties in life, our challenges, and how they have been overcome. So this book would be great for any listener or any reader that loves good prose or poetry or I don't know if you call it proberty. I don't know what you'd call it. It's it's beautiful. <laughs> a new word. It's a we we love it anyway. The title of the book again is the Silver Pen, uh, subtitled Sound and Silence. My author Jan Voth V O T H Dubs D U B B S. Jan, where can my listeners get a copy of this? Yes, um, I I have a website now, and it's. Just as Jay spoke, janvothdubs.com, and you can um, you can go to that, and it will tell you. To, uh, I think they link it to um, the um, author house. Yes, and of course, also certainly uh, you can go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Excellent. If they do a search under your name, they'll find this. Uh, because you have a desire and a heart for writing, what's in the near future? <laughs> well, I've written a book. It's not gotten published. It's gotten printed. Hmm. Uh, it was early in my writing, uh, actual, some of my writing. Uh, it's uh, It has to do with interpreting the Bible regarding... Uh, end of times, mm. and it doesn't tell people what's going to happen in the end of times, but it te- it's more of a guide to just trying to understand Scripture. Beautiful, beautiful. And, um, so maybe someday a publicist will want to pick up on that. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today and sharing your story. Again, thank the you. title of this book, the, title, the, the Silver Pen, Sound and Silence, my guest author, Jan Both. Dubs. Thank you, Jan, for sharing your story, and uh, I'm hoping, and uh, maybe we might even say we could be praying that in the near future we'll get to visit again and talk about your next release. Thanks again for for being a part of today's program. For Author House and Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at TogiNet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, Call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Project Anasazi, and my author who joins me from Florida is uh, a retired executive. Uh, He's been involved in radio in his past. He's a teacher and has had a a background training more than 4,000 business executives in crisis communication and public speaking. He's also an author who has published two other books, and this one is the latest 
Welcome, sir, to the program, my author, Michael Brian O'Hara. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. My pleasure. This is a fascinating idea. Over 500 pages. Uh, it must have been something that motivated you to, to delve into what is commonly known as the 1947 Roswell incident that made national news. And many investigators still feel there was a government cover-up. How did that get started? What uh, what fascinated you about the Roswell incident? Uh, you know, amazingly, I, I, I grew up in the Bronx in New York. And uh, back in 1947, when I was 10 years old, uh, I was fascinated then. And it was always in my mind when all the traveling I did across the United States and visited various places. And then when I went to New Mexico and on many trips, and then I went to that area, and I just had a feeling uh, there was something weird. I had a weird feeling. I don't know how to explain it, but when you when you get ideas in your head about something, you know, you just get a little nervous when you're driving around. And I had an incident over there. I'm driving along the road and on the highway, and this car is very close to me, behind me. Mm. I slow down, he slows down. He goes fast, uh, I go fast, he goes fast. And that went on for a half hour, and I'm saying, am I being crazy about this, or is this something I'm not aware of. So anyway, finally I pulled off in about a half hour and he didn't follow me, thank goodness. So mm. That was the start of it. But I, I, I just visited all these areas and I got so fascinated with the with the thought of all this uh, business and the disappearance in the 1300 of, uh, in, of the Anasazi Indians. And I visited all these sites that I, I talked about in the book and it just it just generated an idea that I've been writing all my life. I wrote over a hundred business articles uh, for a publication, and I also wrote over a hundred corporate speeches, many for myself and for executives. So it's just been one of these things that uh, my mind is always going, and I've been writing all my life. And you're, gonna, you're not going to believe this, but when I was young, I said, I don't think I like writing. And all of a sudden, my first job was uh, my first job was a co-editor of a of a paper for the New York, uh, for uh, General Foods, the Post Division of General Foods, and Incredible. so from there, there was no problem. I was on my way, and I could put it behind me. I was always writing, and it just I get ideas all the time, and so that's what I did when I was out there. I, it's a fascinating area, and just triggered my mind. The Anasazi, share with my listeners a little more of their history. That is, uh, again, a fascinating part of your of your book and of the adventure. Yes, it is. And the fact is, uh, even though we're talking about uh, 1300 and then we're talking about the 20th century, that's a long time gone. But I think that they, uh, my feeling was that they assimilated it so the other tribes out there from, uh, you know, all over the Southwest. And so I think they really didn't disappear. They just got assimilated into other cultures. And so when I, I thought about it and I said, hey, you know, that makes sense that, uh, and I, I developed this, I made up this planet called uh, uh, Dacon. And so when I was writing the book, I said, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say they're from Dacon. And that's why they had this advanced civilization and they and they wanted to go back and that's what they did they assimilated into these other indian tribes and then they finally went some of them went back and some of them are still here and so that's that leads to the uh, the possibility of many of my readers have said uh, 
Mike, you're going to write a, a sequel? I said, I really hadn't thought about it, but this one incident that I did near the end of the book, that leads to the opportunity to have another book on this subject. So that's where it all started, and I've just carried it on and did that. And I wrote this book over 20 years ago when wow. I was living in Aruba. I was working down there, too. That's incredible. So you, I, your, your, main, your main character, Brad Davis, and then you have someone that uh, at least the name is familiar to us, Big Bird. Uh, who, who's Big Bird, and how does he fit in, or it fit in? Yeah, I know everybody said to me, you know, you, you can't use Big Bird. I said, he was an Indian. It's nothing to do with the other one. So <laughs> it just fit in, you know. But Brad Davis was uh, somebody I had in mind that I know that was like that. So I, every every character I use, uh, it's based on people that I know. And it's, that made it much easier to put them into this. I even have my son-in-law in there. He's a pilot on the, uh, on the uh, helicopter. Um, I'm Betsy. Yeah, so that's what I did. Well, 504 pages is a pretty ambitious write. Um, when you sat down to write, yeah, to, but, to begin this. Yeah, but let me say this. It's really not 504 pages regular type. This is, this is uh, we've done this book so that the print is larger. Because in my regular writing of this, this was about 210 typewritten pages. Ah. Then it went into this, so that's why it's very much easy to read for people who are having trouble with their their sight at this, you know, at any age. Yes, so that's why I I, I approved that uh, doing that. With your background as a writer and having two children's books, uh, th- that would be an obvious, uh, I guess, uh, extension of that because of uh, the type size. You have. Uh, in this adventure, how would you describe it? I mean, this is, a, is it science fiction only? Is it a mystery? What, what have you woven uh, into the story? It's historical, and it's, it's historical and based on its fictional depiction of a real incident, and that's what this is about. So it's unusual that uh, it's a real event that happened, and I just fictionalized it. So that's what I came up with. So. The spaceship that you uh, obviously are referring to, um, I'm I'm assuming from your perspective that might be the fiction side, or is that uh, just uh, part of the mystery that's involved in the story? Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've, I've seen uh, UFOs. I thought there were UFOs during my, my 83 years on this planet, and, uh, and mm. I sincerely believe that we are not alone. And uh, it, you look at the... You stand out at night and look into it from the dark, not near a city, because the city you can't see the stars or the universe. But you stand out way out in the countryside, and you look up into the sky, and you see all these stars, and you say, how could we be the only one? It's amazing. It's, and every time they keep inventing or in finding new uh, planets and stars and giving them names. So I just feel that we're not alone, truthfully. Is there an underlying message to this besides the excitement of uh, being taken along for a ride? Yeah, <laughs> taken along for a ride. <laughs> I, I don't know if I. <laughs> I don't know if I. You know, I I I thought about that myself because when I was younger, you know, I wanted to pile on a plane, but I never got to do it. So, uh, but I was fascinated because uh, I just my son was in the uh, had worked for the. Uh, down in uh, uh, in Virginia, he had worked for the uh, space industry. So, you know, it was just funny he got into that business, and uh, and he's been still working in it now. At this, uh, he's sixty years old, and 
working in that business right now. So uh, I don't know if that triggered him or not, but anyway, he, he couldn't have been triggered by me because my thoughts came after he was working. So it's just amazing. It, it, it's amazing accomplishment uh, at any any uh, level. How long did it take to complete uh, the the storyline and, and the uh, outline, Mike? Uh, you know, I'm going to say... Uh, uh, I started in 1995, and I finished up in about 1997. So I'm going to say it took me two years because uh, if you realize that I was living and working in Aruba, and I was working for an energy company out of Houston, Texas. Mm. And so, therefore, uh, you know, my day was, was a seven-day-a-week job. It says only oh, supposed to be five days, but it's one set. You know, you're, you live five minutes from the plant, and you just have to be on call all the time. Because I was uh, senior vice president of, uh, of government relations and public affairs, so what I used to do when I at night times and when I had spare time, I'd go into the back room. My wife would be out in the front quilting, and I would go in and write my story. So that it took me, I would say, about two years. A beautiful accomplishment in in preparing and writing this. Did you work from an outline or just uh, the inspiration of the moment? Yeah, just the inspiration in the moment. And I don't know how to explain this, but I think other writers and authors will, will agree with me. When I started writing, I have, I've written a lot of books I haven't finished yet, but I'm still working on. But, you know, the strange thing is it's in your head and you start writing these things. And what happens is all of a sudden your head is not doing the writing anymore. It's your fingers. And they, they take over and start writing the story. And it's a weird sensation. And I think other authors will, will say the same thing. You have an idea, and then you say, oh, wait a minute, wait, it's going this way. And there it goes. So it's interesting. And it's been a, it's been a surprising for me, too. But I wind up with what I get. It's a fascinating process. I've talked to many authors, and everyone has a different approach. Uh, one gentleman I talked to had a spaghetti dinner the night before and had this nightmare, and then he wrote a story about it. And uh, I don't know if he gets that every time he has spaghetti, but that's uh, that's that's what happened in his in his case. And then others take uh, you know ten, twelve, nineteen. One author took nineteen years to complete his project. Wow. Uh, you have oh, wow. obviously wow. an imagination uh, in addition to your other skills. Uh, is this something that has uh, plagued you all your life as far as the imagination side? Have you always been a dreamer and a and an imaginative oh, guy? Oh yeah, they say that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, you know, I like that you. <laughs> had mentioned I started my career and I had my own radio show in the Philadelphia area uh, morning show and I, ne- I don't like getting up early in the morning but I had to do it so anyway but yeah but I I just got ideas that just pop into my head all the time like when I was teaching after I left broadcasting I went to teaching and I was going to law school at night in mm. New York City my goodness. Uh, what happened was I uh, I got these ideas for teaching the children fourth grade I got these ideas for making them feel good about themselves. And that's why I wrote two children's books, a short tale of a long, long tale about a a lion who doesn't belong where he thinks he does. And so he moves from one part of the jungle until he's accepted. And he finally gets accepted by a a monkey. And what the long, the long of it is that the monkey gets a, a, a flood and the monkey gets caught in the middle of the river. And guess what? The only one who can save them is the lion with the long, long tail. So wow. the, the message to children is everybody has a special gift and they use it. So that's that one. And then the other one I wrote is Alexander T. Frog, 
And the frog wants to be like every other animal in the jungle. And all the other animals say, well, I can't do this, this, this. And so the moral in that story is also for children that, you know what, you have a special talent. And so they'll be trying to be like somebody else. You are unique in your own way. And that's just, it just comes to my mind, these, these stories that I write them. Oh, that's, cer- crazy. that's certainly inspirational what you've uh, described in the books for sure uh, this one i'm sure has uh, some of that same element in it obviously from your from your character your personality so. and your and your your interests the the audience yeah. for this book uh how would you who, who's the the obvious reader for this is this going to be a uh, I don't know, a novel that appeals mostly to guys, or has this got a little bit of element that just uh, anybody who isn't even a science fiction guy or person uh, would enjoy? No, I think, I think if people who are interested in history and science fiction and adventure uh, would be interested in this, in this uh, book. And it's not a matter of being male or female. It's just, and I'll give you a story, a friend of mine who I gave the book to, that I've known for a long, long time, she read the thing and she said... Uh, she said, I can't believe that you wrote this thing because it's it's just captured me. I, I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. Mm. And that made me feel good because she was a female and you didn't expect somebody who was a nurse to be captivated by the story. And I've had several people tell me the same kind of thing. So it's a captivating adventurous story and it leaves you with some questions in your mind about flying saucers. <laughs> Beautifully put. The title of the book again is Project. Anasazi, Anasazi, yes, and my is. yes, my author Michael Brian O'Hara. Michael, where do we get copies of the book? Uh, uh, Amazon has them. Uh, Barnes and Nobles has them. So those are the two I know right now that are handling the book. They can also do a search under your name, Michael M I C H A E L. Yeah, yeah, I have an account, and it's called Project Anasazi. Michael Brian O'Hara. And you can look in there and you can check about my other books and about this book and where you can purchase it, too. So that's that's a given. Fantastic. And O'Hara is spelled O with, an, uh, you know, the little apostrophe, H-A-R-A. And uh, Michael yes, Brian. Capital H-A-R-A, yes. And, uh, and Anasazi is N-A, I'm sorry, A-N-A-S-A-Z-I, Anasazi. And Project Anasazi yeah. and my author, Michael Brian O'Hara. Thank you, sir, for joining me today from Florida. I'm sure you'll have sunny weather. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And best of luck. I have a feeling we'll be talking to you again, hopefully, in the near future about oh, the next so. project. Okay, good. <laughs> very good. Okay, thank have you. a great All day. Right. For Author House and Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Welcome back 
to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. For Author House and Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker. Today's book is titled Let's Meet Tederico Frederico and Augustus Algernon, Two Special Bears. And joining me from the Houston area is the author, Margaret Wallace. Welcome, Margaret, to the program. Thank you. Share a little of your background. I'm fascinated by the fact that you are in Texas in the Houston area right now, but uh, that wasn't always your location. Tell me a little of your history. Oh, I was born, brought up, uh, educated, taught for a while in England before I married and came over to um, America Um, and then had a family and uh, have been here going back and forth to England every year ever since. Hmm. So um, I'm trying to keep in touch with both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, that's a good plan. I, I enjoy my visits to Great Britain and, and to London in specific when I have been able to travel oh, yeah. to Europe, so Europe and, and, uh, and Great Britain. So it is a fascinating area. Did you always uh, have an interest in writing? I think I did, really. Um, I know as a, like an eight-year-old, I won a little competition in, the, I think it was a Liverpool-based newspaper, and I got a little prize. I think it was a book. And um, so I, I've always kind of dabbled um, in writing, because I've been always a very kind of curious, well, <laughs> cur- curious in a good way. You know, I was oh, always yes. interested in what was going on around me. Yeah. This particular so, this, this particular book is not a not a an adult fiction. It's a, a, a book that's that's really yeah. directed towards children. What prompted that? Why to children, and why this story? Um, for children, I I've, I write about anything that comes up, but for children, I've always had some kind of connections. You know, I had children of my own. I taught in a little preschool. Um, and, and had a lot to do with small children. And I noticed that they, there's a communication problem sometimes between the child and the parents. And, and sometimes I thought these stories might help to kind of give them something to join them together a bit more and understand each other a little bit more. Beautiful. Is this the first children's book or story that you have penned at this point? Yes, yes, it is. I usually have written more kind of journal-type things Mm. and a bit of poetry and that kind of thing. Beautiful. Now, explain to me, because uh, we've talked about the names of your characters, and I am having a little bit of a tongue twist on them myself. Uh, Explain to my explain to my explain to my listeners uh, the names and uh, what the significance is. How they came about? Yes. When we were very young, my my sister was a few years younger than me, and I used to tell her stories which she can't remember, I, hesitate. I I don't like to say, but <laughs> she can't remember them. And, um, and one of them seemed to be these characters were in my mind because a fr- little friend of mine's father gave at her birthday party every year a little film show, you know, the olden days when they yes. had a you know, mechanical thing and they showed these old pictures of particularly Laurel and Hardy, you yeah. remember oh, them? Oh, yes, yes. Well, they're, <laughs> they're still, yeah, they've got definite characters. 
Mm. And there was another, uh, several of the old characters, and, and I was fascinated by by that. And so when we had we were we had teddy bears of our own, and to me they they resembled uh, Laurel and Hardy. Mm. Uh, and one was big, big, plump, and uh, and uh, new looking, and the other one, which was mine. Because I was the older, and and I think toys were very scarce when I was little, so I got some kind of hand-me-down bear, who was very threadbare almost and thin, and um, of course I I just just loved the little thing, um, but anyway to me they it resembled the characters of Laurel and Hardy, mm. and so I kind of started thinking they were in my mind for a long time. So anyway that that's where they came from. And um, and so there, in this in this little book, not I haven't succeeded really well as far as getting those characters really pinned down. But that was my idea in the first place. Yes, and the names themselves are unique. Characters. Yeah, the the names. Ex- well, uh, they just how came that... to me. They, they, you know, one comes from Teddy. You know. Yeah. Oh yes. Bears sometimes Teddy, Teddy bears. And I, anyway, it, it evolved from it. I, I just made it up: Tedrico, Frederico, and Augustus Algernon. And you know, it just just appealed to me. Two special bears, and the, they were in my mind for a long time. Yes, I'm glad you shared them. Your two your your storyline is uh, about thirty pages, perhaps. Uh, is there it anything? Is, you, is. Can you share anything about the story itself? Is it uh, an adventure for these two bears, or is it just no, uh, no? The little vignettes about their lives, and that they each try to explain or help understand some kind of problems little children may have that their parents don't quite realize. And once one of them, when they're in the playground, and how they're actually starting off going down the slide, and they are a bit afraid. It's too fast, and it's you know that kind of thing. And when they're at the birthday, they're at the, there are little scenes, and they each have their own title. One is the birthday party, and in that little story, the children hide the bears in one of the games and find them. And um, and um, it, it's just how how children play together, and how sometimes a child will lose its temper and you know demand something and. It's little problems that come up in the ordinary life of children and how they can be seen um, by their parents as, you know, something interesting to kind of think about and try to solve, like, uh, you you know, losing a a child losing its temper because things are not going well or Mm. so forth. Anyway, they they try to, they're different little stories about things that go on in the daily lives of children and like going to show and tell at school and how the bears are put up because obviously the children in the class have been playing with them too much and the teacher has them put up on a shelf. And then at the end of the day, the everybody leaves and the, the bears think that they have been left and they've been forgotten about. And I think that might happen quite a lot with little children. You know, things are out of their control and they get a bit afraid. 
But then the children burst back into the schoolroom and take, you know, get them down from the shelf and take them home. So all else, you know, ends in a small way, in a kind of childish kind of way. Well, I'm I'm hearing from. So they're, they're trying trying to solve some kind of problems that come up with little children, like jealousy or um, fear or um, that kind of thing. Beautiful. And explained in a kind of, uh, uh, trying to explain them in a kind of way uh, where the parents can kind of solve the little problem if I, they realize there is a problem. Yes, I'm, hear, I'm hearing from your voice and from your uh, what you're telling about the book itself, uh, the... Uh, the reference maybe to your teaching background uh, of with with children preschoolers yeah. and and you're telling from that uh, yeah. you're you're sharing stories that would comfort them if they had a an, an, an incident of, uh, of of something yes yeah so that was the moral yeah. moral and, of and your the book the thing is I taught all kinds of people I taught preschool I taught in an elementary school for a while I taught in this in a um, uh, kids between eleven and seventeen. And then I've taught adults, um, ESL, that is, you know, English as second language. Yes. So, I, you know, I, I really am interested in people and how they interact and, and um, what can be, if there's anything that might help them. And they don't all come into this book. But I think that's what I like to think about is how to, how to well, how to see a problem and try and explain in some way, how to deal with it. Well, fabulous. Uh, Margaret, how long did it take to complete this? I noticed the illustrations are very colorful. Was that a complicated uh, process, getting those to match the story? Yes, they don't quite. I noticed in looking through this book, again, I, a few little things, but I had got tired of the whole thing by that time, so <laughs> I, did, I wasn't careful enough in looking to see that all the details were correct. It's, as far as illustration, it's yeah. still very charming, though. Uh, were there any other problems that were difficult to overcome, as far as the story itself? Uh, not, not really, because I, you know, it had been percolating in my mind, you know, off and on. It, it hadn't taken front, front and center kind of thing, but it, it, it's been there, kind of thinking about it. And, it, and then I decided it was a time of life when I decided to do a few things on the bucket list, you know, I hear you. that I hadn't managed to do before. So and then, you know, and then I got tired, you know, I get tired of it because there's something else that usually I need to feel as if I'm doing yeah. like learning Italian or something. Oh, my. <laughs> well, I, I still think the book itself is very charming. It has a beautiful uh, tex oh, texture and look to it. The storyline certainly is uh, is one that would be helpful for grandparents or parents or little children to read. Uh, they could read it on their own. Uh, also, it's a, a good book yes. to, to share with your children and grand grandchildren. That's the main thing. That's yes. the main, yeah. The main thing is either a babysitter or an older child or, or a parent or grandparents. And then eventually it's to get children also interested in reading. Beautiful. To see that there's a value in reading. Did you enjoy the process sufficiently that perhaps you'll consider a secondary or a follow-up book to this? Oh, well, if it's easier, if it would be easier than the next. <laughs> I know more of the pitfalls now than I did then. 
It's, so I know there are always little stories that can come up, like visiting the doctor and, and uh, you know, going on a on a, on a plane and, and uh, you know, things like that, which children, I don't know whether it's explained enough to them what is going to happen when they go on these things. Yes. So, um, and it's through through the bears, not through a particular child, so... That's why it all goes through the bears. Wonderful. L- listeners, you need to get a copy of this for your children or for your grandchildren, and the title of which is Let's Meet Tederico Frederico and Augustus Algernon, two special bears, my guest author, Margaret Wallace. Margaret, uh, how do my listeners get a copy of this? Oh, I believe um, the, I think it's available through Amazon, um, I'm not really sure to tell you the truth because, uh, unfortunately, when the thing is done, I tend to forget about it, and <laughs> that's what I've been doing really. And I, I'm not quite sure. And from the publisher, the original publisher, they have, you know, they, they've got the copies. Well, listeners, you can do a search online under Margaret Wallace W A L L I S and find this book. And Amazon and Barnes and Noble, those other major booksellers, uh, will have an online presence that will highlight this book. Let's meet Tederico Frederico and Augustus Elgernon, two special bears. The author, Margaret Wallace. Margaret, thank you for sharing your heart and your story about this book. I think that it's a charming, charming way to to educate little children and give them some comfort, maybe uh, uh, about questions they may have. Thank you very much. My pleasure for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker.